everybody, I'm Vanessa Oshima, and welcome to the Outrun Cancer podcast. Outrun Cancer started back in 2012, when I made a promise to a friend that I would run every day for her to support her cancer journey. Cancer can be a really lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. And that's something that I've learned through my cancer journey, the running journey. And I'd like to share with you the stories, the information, the learnings. We call them the life learnings from running, life learnings from cancer. And so that's what we're going to do with this podcast. If you're going through a cancer journey and you want just a little bit of hmm, inspiration, a little bit of information, or just some good stories, come join us on Outrun Cancer. And you don't actually have to be a runner to be able to be part of this. Come listen. So welcome to this episode of Outrun Cancer. This is another extension of the conversations that we were having with kids that go through cancer. So last uh, episode, we were speaking with my sons, Zachary and Jordan, and their experiences. And this time, we're going to catch up with Caroline and Mark's kids from New Zealand. They called in from New Zealand. So you're going to listen to Ryan, Connor, Tyler, and Lockie as they talk about their experiences. You'll also hear about them getting involved with running uh, and running every day. Connor uh, is the one that's really going gangbusters, an amazing, amazing athlete. And Tyler, with her um, experiences with running every day, and Lockie uh, is really getting into it too as well, and how running has helped them in the way that they think and manage their way through. So again, really, really thankful to the kids for being so brave to be able to open up and have these conversations. And so I sit back and listen to this episode of Caroline's Kids and Their Journey Through Cancer. So this time um, we have Caroline's family and her kids talking with us about what they went through. I'm going to let them all introduce themselves. Keep in mind, this was 10 years ago when uh, they started their journey living with cancer uh, with their mum. So sometimes it'll be like, oh. Was it like that? I remember this. I don't know. But uh, I think that this will be really important uh, just to sit back and listen and, uh, and learn a few things. So over to you, Ryan. First question. How did you find out that your mum had cancer? Hi, all. Basically, we are sitting, sitting around, around the kitchen. I guess the adults came and let us know they had a few things that they need to let us know. So from, from what I remember of it, Basically, mum had said the words that she had cancer. And for me, that's all I remember because obviously you could hear a pin drop in that moment and a whole whole bunch of tears all around or all, all at once, everyone sort of coming in together and sort of looking after each other. Because mm-hmm. once you get that news, everything naturally sorts, sort of drops and you stop thinking about what's going going on outside and it's all all on that core focus is okay what's going on what can we do to help and just sat around I guess hugging each other and that was what I I remember. Um, Did you know that your mum was being tested or was going through tests? No so I have no idea what I was doing the day of all I can remember is that that moment for the day I could have been playing World Cup final or hockey for all I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just a completely normal day yeah. um, before everything sort of changing on a pin drop. Yeah. So that that was what it was like for me. Um, Ryan, how old were you when that was going on? I was 14 at the time. Right. Um, so, yeah, just in 
college years, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Cool. How about the others? Do you what do you remember of that day and how you were feeling when you found out? So you're all you're all brought around the kitchen table, I guess. Yeah. I think I think we we're on the couch. And if memory serves me right, I was eleven. When we first were grouped together, like you could tell it was serious. But I thought I thought we were in trouble for some reason. So <laughs> when when mum said that um obviously the news, which is devastating and people handle it differently. Mm. Unfortunately, my way of processing the news is to make a comment. Mm. Um and I kinda the joke anyway. Mm. <laughs> we just all handle things so differently and Unfortunately, my way probably comes across as rude, but it's just how I'm coping with the situation at hand. <laughs> so, so this is Tyler, by the way, everybody. So this is Tyler. Sorry, um, no, it's okay. Uh, so it's because people that don't see your face, it's a podcast. So this is Tyler, um, <laughs> the girl of the of the team, or the, you know. So Tyler, you you made a like a sort of a, a joke when or like a- I can't remember the context of the joke, but I remember that Mum was quite blindsided like she didn't expect it yeah but then she knows what I'm like so yeah yeah so each each kid was different hi Lockie Mm -hmm. (laughs) so just so everybody knows um everybody's all in different places um so in New Zealand um and I'm in Tokyo so we're going to be jumping from one place to the other so thanks Lockie for joining I guess you were younger than everybody else when it happened do you remember yeah I was like eight or nine when we finally got Mm. Do you remember the day and, and what you thought or felt? Honestly, at the time, I didn't really understand what it was. Like, I knew it was something, but I never really processed. Mm. It all kind of stems from the fact that they'd gotten pizza as well, so I was kind of distracted by that. Mm. I didn't realise the next day or two what it truly was, and I was just like, it kind of took all my attention away. Mm. Mm. So it took a day or so to, to really process it all. Yeah. Yeah. So, Connor, how about you? When you were when on that day that you that you heard? So, um, hi guys. My name's Connor. Um, pleasure being able to talk to everyone about this. It's always a good thing to talk about it, although not the easiest at times. <laughs> so, actually, Tyler and Ryan are both right. I think it started on the table and migrated to the couch. But when you look back on it, those details aren't normally as important, I suppose. But initially, my experience was similar to the others. Um, I remember it being just such a scary thing to be confronted with. You know, bless my parents. I think we'd had a very sheltered upbringing. You know, we'd grown up on a farm. Everything was kind of, you know, if you got bored, you were outside the farm. You had to entertain yourself. And we hadn't really, at that stage, experienced too much loss or um, certainly anything of that kind of magnitude. Mm. So it's a very confronting thing out of nowhere. And especially, you know, it was hard for me and I would have been 13 at the time, but I can't imagine, you know, things for Tyler or Lockie being as young as they were. Mm. But yeah, it was just a very kind of anxious and uncertain time because especially for Ryan and myself, we knew kind of what cancer involved. We didn't understand the details of it, but we, we know it wasn't good. And so it's very difficult on the one hand, feeling like, okay, as the older siblings, we've got to kind of try and help mum and dad and help Tyler and Lockie by um, 
I suppose trying to prevent issues and take care of each other so that it's not falling on mum and dad as much. To kind of free mum to kind of give her the most strength she can have for dealing with what she's got to and to kind of spare dad to put more of his focus on mother as well. Mm. So at that point, it was just confronting because we knew what we had to do, but we just didn't know how we should do it or like how it works best for different right. people. So I, I couldn't have said honestly at the time what would have been the best thing for mum or how we could have best supported her. Because at that point in life, you've got a lifetime of your mother being the best support ever for you. Yeah. So it's you're not as familiar with the reverse of that. Did the um, four of you after, so you, you're at the kitchen table, it goes to the sofa, you're told, and there's tears and hugs and, and things like that. Afterwards, did the four of you talk together about how to help your mum and, and dad or, or was it just all then you all went your separate ways to figure it out? I could be wrong, but I, I feel like, and I'm probably going to get a contradicting answer. <laughs> it's okay. The, all the, all but, of you jump in for what you remember because it was 10 years ago. So, yeah. But I feel like from what I remember, there was a sort of quiet, unspoken rule of, this isn't about us, but the quiet, unspoken rule of sort of working together or working independently in unison to do what's best mm-hmm. for mum and getting through this situation. It sounds, to me, it sounds like you and Connor had a similar idea, which is like we have to do what we need to do to help mum get through this, like this, like you said, unspoken yeah. rule. Maybe that's the hard thing, which is like, okay, we're going to have to like, not cause any issues. I remember Tyler saying, I thought we were in trouble. <laughs> like, you know, we were all being called, <laughs> we'd all been called to the kitchen table because we're all in trouble for something. And I guess mm. there's something maybe Tyler now going in your head going, okay, we can't do the, we're going to cause trouble now. <laughs> what, what do you remember? We didn't communicate about it. I think as far as I was aware, if we didn't talk about it, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So it was just denial for me. Right. Yeah. Did you talk about it with friends or any other people and family at all, Tyler, or you just were just sort of coping with it yourself? My friends knew about it, mm. but I wouldn't talk about it because it's not a conversation you have with your friends at 11 years old. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think that is? It's just like a negative stigma. Mm. Um, and it's, it's not a common conversation and no one's, I guess, comfortable with putting themselves. It, it's a sensitive subject. Yeah. Mm. yeah if I, if I can jump in on in that because I did did have an experience at school one sort of like to bring up mm. and she brings brings up a good point about it being not something an 11 year old normally has to has to deal with and I don't don't know what the event was at school but one of our um, teachers there had come to school bald without any wig or anything like that mm-hmm. and um one of my colleagues, I guess, from school made a joke or a comment comment about that and why she's going going bald. And I, I said to her, because she's probably got cancer, and just the whole idea of being that sort of college age and yep. some people don't have that sort of awareness of what's mm-hmm. going on. So I guess we, we sort of know there's people who get sick all, at, at times. and mm-hmm. But that those sort of ages, they're not, there's not sort of, that awareness of what people are going through. So mm-hmm. is there, I definitely agree with Tyler's. There's a, it's, it's just a big unknown for most people. 
think that's kind of what Connor was saying to us that you've lived and I think most parents we want to protect you guys from as much hardship and loss as we can so you know the idea that you know oh making a joke about somebody going bald and sort of saying well maybe they've got cancer maybe they're sick is if you've been protected and haven't really experienced it then you don't really have that context Lucky, how about you? You were even more younger, so I guess it was even more different for you as well. Yeah, it was about kind of like tough. My friends knew about the kind of shit stuff that was going on, but it's not something that they really understand. Mm. So it was just wasn't really talked about. Mm. So if I could ask you to sort of think about what was maybe the hardest part about going through the whole thing. So Lucky, um. What was maybe the hardest part for you of going through it? Um, if you were going to give somebody some advice or, um, you know, just think about things about how you, these were things that helped me cope really well. These are things which maybe if I could think again, I would do it differently. Is there anything there? The worst part is just seeing it happen to begin with. And it's just it's not something that you ever get used to. It was really confronting for us to see how quickly like she changed Mm. so she was really lively and then obviously when she was going through chemo her skin her skin changed she lost lost her hair and I know me personally I wouldn't put myself out there as much as I did so I would originally play rep level hockey Mm -hmm. but once we found out about the diagnosis like I don't want to be inconvenient to mum and make her do anything more than she needed to mm. so I wouldn't play reps because mm. I didn't want to drain her battery I see um, Connor nodding right now I guess there was a lot of things where you guys made decisions to put certain things on hold uh, so you, Tyler you put rep hockey on hold to sort of say okay I don't want to add that to the plate of things to deal with I'm guessing Connor because um, you're nodding right now you also did a similar thing well, I was actually just going to say from the point of view of a doting and proud older brother that, <laughs> you know, be it Tyler or Lockie, even if he doesn't know what to say, Lockie at such a young age had to grow very independent very quickly. Mm. And he got pushed outside of his comfort zone quite a lot. And, you know, just watching him grow has, you know, been quite something incredible, mm-hmm. especially because there was, there was a decent distance in age between the youngest and the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lockie's really come into his own and especially through, uh, I suppose, his cancer journey, you know, and trying to support mum. He might not have always known how to, but he always did, you know. he With his little mannerisms that mm-hmm. over time have become quite um, quite intriguing, you know, you kind of, you grow to love them. And just that kind of consistency and normalcy that Lockie brought, mm-hmm. it's always... Um, always good for mum and Tyler as well. Like Tyler, like she would dial back on things like the rep hockey, but she would go out and she would make these bracelets to raise money for um, charities around cancer. And I think Tyler was able to support out of all the children, mum most intimately, you know, as someone that can go out with mum to do those um, more exciting things like getting their nails done or, um, you know, just anything that was just female bonding, like Tyler could really get on board with that at the time Ryan and myself and certainly Lockie didn't didn't quite involve ourselves in. Let's talk a little bit about that. So let's 
think about those bonding moments, like you talked about helping your mum go through it. So Tyler, you were making bracelets um, to raise money and probably awareness. Yeah. And, and going with your mum to get nails done and things like that. You know, Lockie, Ryan, Connor, were there any other bonding things that you did that helped you as well? Well, my experience was within two days of finding out that my mother had cancer, I'd also found out that basically I'd been accepted or selected for a scholarship to Australia for a couple of months. Mm. So I was really confronted with the decision on do I take it, do I not, which was a really difficult one to make at that age because what I had to come to grips with wasn't whether I go or not. It's, mm. it's how do I show support to mum and what does that look like? Mm. Because the school had actually previously talked to mum about okay, the, Connor's been selected, we want him to go. Do you want us to tell him that he's been selected? Or basically, oh, do you want us okay. to tell him that he's not been selected? So the school so, was talking with your mum about how to how to give that decision, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it was, it was about how to navigate that. And at the time, mum had said, you know, she definitely wants me to be able to go. Like, I think the worst nightmare for her really would be feeling like, her illness or her negative experience with cancer had impaired any of her children from doing anything that mm. they wanted to do. Cause I'd been talking to her for months and months about going through the hoops and, you know, yep. getting closer and closer to being selected. Cause there was only going to be two of the students from the entire year group go. Right. So, was so it, every was time important I, to you, it was something you were working on. It was, it was important to me. It was, uh, it was a chance to go overseas and be independent and just really experience a different life than you're used to yeah so i'd gone so close to it i made it into the final four and so within two days of finding out that she had cancer i found out that i'd actually been selected for it and that i really there was an urgency in figuring out okay can i support her best from being with her or would that upset her more and it was it was a very guilty thing to think about so you went did you go uh, in the end, I did decide to go because yep. I just couldn't, like, I couldn't stomach how guilty it would make her. Like, I remember having one conversation with her where she was crying about not wanting any of it to get in the way of us living life and us experiencing. So then maybe Ryan and Tyler, when Connor went overseas, what was it like being back to support your mum while she, because I know children traveling away for like exchange programs, oh man, you missed them so much. <laughs> so, and, you know, and lucky as well. What was it like? Was it any different? It's hard because we were so young. I don't remember the specifics, yeah. but I know that we, like we would communicate with Connor on a regular basis. Like I remember he, we were always video calling. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't so, remember the specifics. No, 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 it's okay. So it's like the um, keeping the communication ties and everything going. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's kind of just shift a little bit. So if you're going to give some advice to some other other kids and families that are going to go through cancer, you don't have to do any remembering now. It's just like if you were if you were going to give some advice, what would be your like number one or number two kind of learning? So we'll call it the life learnings from, from cancer. <laughs> so what would be the thing that you would give advice, maybe Lockie, do you have any advice that you would give to, to people who might be starting this journey with their kids? And the only thing that really comes to mind is just like 
just be there for each other and shit. Be there. Be there for each other. <laughs> I think communication is essential. Mm. And I understand mum's position of not wanting to upset us. Mm. But it is very important for the family to know what's potentially in the firing line. Right. So personally, I would communicate with your family and let them know what the upcoming obstacles are. Mm. And even if you get your cancer results back and they're negative, mm. then you can celebrate. Yeah. But then at least you're going through the process together. Mm. I think that was our downfall is communication was non-existent. So mm. as I said earlier, if we didn't talk about it, it wasn't wasn't an issue mm. yeah. but I know that towards the end the older siblings Ryan and Connor they shared their emotions more right and they they did get put through counseling mm. um, which was really good and beneficial for them mm. but to me I'm someone who isn't who comes across as like really outgoing and <laughs> I think counseling would have been beneficial to me because I couldn't process my thoughts mm. and I wasn't sure of the full extent so it was quite hard to see mum mum change so soon mm. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that <laughs> mm. so okay so Connor and, and Ryan you went through counseling so do you want to talk a little bit about that and and keep on going like you know advice like so Tyler's basically said communication which is it's interesting listening to you because Zach and Jordan said exactly the same thing. It's like, wow, you were feeling that. I was feeling that too. We should have talked to each other more. <laughs> so it's like this realization that you're all going through the same thing. Yeah. So maybe yeah. communication. Ryan, Connor, do, do you have anything? I think for me, I, I had a lot of guilt because in the two months that I was overseas, kind of leading up to Christmas, I, you know, I was, I was living with a homestay. I was living with the Stuarts and... It was a weird time because day in, day out, everything felt different, but it felt so normal. There was no daily reminder about the impact of cancer. So there was, and it almost felt like life was just normal. And uh, while you were over in Australia, so you were in but, Australia and it was a family that was not dealing with cancer. So it was yeah. a so little bit of an escape. It's a level of guilt that I was having some of the best moments of my life and the most transformative experiences of my life. You know, while my siblings and, you know, while my parents are going through what they were. Mm. But also knowing that, you know, the nightly calls that I'd have with mum, you know, were some of the kind of happiest that should be because she was getting daily kind of tidbits of, yep. you know, just experiences that, you know, just made her so happy for me to be having. So I felt a weird mix of guilt, but also knowing that it was the right thing for her as well. Yeah. So I suppose that ties into my advice is you don't have to understand or process things immediately, just take steps together, you know, and identify what support you can offer, what support they need, and eventually bring those two closer together and just do what you can. And at times, just being there for the other person is all you can really ask for, mm. really. And then segueing into the therapy and the counseling, then any way that you can help process emotional turmoil is always a good thing and it leaves you in better position to understand yourself and understand others and the better you understand others the better you can support others so 
the happier life is you know there's no point carrying around that baggage when there are people there that are qualified and willing to help you work through that stuff cool ryan how about you i've been to a psychologist before for other other reasons 100 percent recommend recommend it i never went to counseling to cope with the cancer maybe i maybe i should have but the thing the thing i take away from it because my answer to that question originally was going to be for me going going through that as we did it was very fight or flight for me everything just dropped into it's not about me we just need to do what we can to get through this Mm. i think the big thing for me was whatever problems i'm having i can deal with them and not bring it to the table right because you don't want to you don't want to bring the negative energy to this sort of situation that how because you were 18 or something and there's lots of stuff i i imagine there's lots of stuff going on where you'd be like i just i want to bring it to the table because i want to i want to have a bit of a moment (laughs) where i want to say oh my god kind of thing i've always seemed to look at it like there's always always someone with a bigger problem and there's a blessing blessing and a, and a curse but it, i think a part of part of it's what's given me the energy to persevere through through some of the tough situations that i might personally face well everyone re- reacts to stress differently right but i i agree that the way i deal with stress i definitely should go to counseling or um, a psychologist about or some things but um for me, I, I had the mentality of fight or flight and I was able to perceive what I was saying and be like, all right, I can shelf, shelf this other stuff, do what I need to do to bring the positive energy to the table. And so for me, it was a case of looking after myself, really focusing on my sport, especially. Right. Um, for me, I really focused on my hockey and try my very best to bring, bring the happy, happy news home, regardless of all the negative stuff. That's interesting. So bringing the happy news home also to the role of sports, I think, just so everybody knows that out of the four, out of the four siblings here, three of them are streak runners or have been streak runners with Caroline. <laughs> so maybe Ryan, we're going to get you into it soon. Oh. <laughs> so he's, he's looking at me going, no, no way. <laughs> so you're the only one that hasn't actually done a little mini streak yet, Ryan. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. (laughs) To be fair, so Ryan on, I can't remember which day it was, but Ryan comes home one day. He's like, Connor, I've just up and around like 20K. (laughs) Then he he proclaimed to me, actually, he proclaimed to me that he was going to join me on one of my next marathons. And so I I was all excited. And then the next day I'm like, have you been through your run? He's like, no. All lucky, right. Lucky, I think you're over. Are you over a thousand days now, Lucky? Um, I think so. I don't yeah. really check of it. You know, Lucky, because you started so young, Lucky. If you keep on going, you actually have a shot at the world record, <laughs> which, by the way, is fifty-two years. But you know, <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. But I can't. I can't get fifty-two years because I started way too late. I'd have to run until I'm at one hundred and ten. So, but I think. <laughs> You have a shot at it, Lucky, <laughs> if you want to want to go for it. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. 
I'll keep that in mind. And his face is like, no, I won't keep that in mind. <laughs> well, that's lucky for you. <laughs> it's not easy. You guys are going through winter at the moment. So the winter streak running is not easy, especially lucky. You've got a sore throat right now. So I imagine it's a bit hard. Yeah. Is running in Otago harder or easier than running in Hamilton? Easier because at least like here, I'm in the city, but in Hamilton, I'm just in the suburbs, which is dark all the time. Oh, okay. So and I do, I do find in Otago because I went down there a few months back and I was still running at that stage. Yeah. And the air down there is less humid. So it's, it feels like really crisp. So right. it's easier to run. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, so yeah, the running in the dark thing is not easy. I guess you guys are like with the headlamps and the, and the yeah phone torches yeah very similar to running in like the city in Tokyo um, as well okay so let's now that we've sort of talked a little bit about um streak running I guess you guys well why did you start Tyler you were the first to start streak running well I've had a few failed attempts streak running (laughs) they're not failed attempts they're they're a streak that has started and stopped and then started again (laughs) yeah so the first time, like, I wanted to show support to mum. Mm. And obviously you started it and mm. I just wanted to be there for mum and let her know I was supporting her. Mm. So that was quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, unfortunately, that streak finished. And then I remember that it was one night uh, mum barged in my room and she said that Vanessa has cancer. Mm-hmm. So I was lying in bed ready to go to sleep. Um, obviously as soon as I heard that I was like okay I'll come for a run with you (laughs) and then that's when my (laughs) second streak started and like I know I got into like the hundreds yeah but yeah unfortunately for me I haven't quite pulled through so maybe next time (laughs) I was just always amazed that because you had some health things or you were ending up in hospital and stuff and I think Connor the same it was like you're ending up in hospital with like appendicitis or something and you guys are all just yeah. figuring out how to run in the car parks of the hospital and I'm and it's interesting because at that time I'm like don't do this guys guys don't do this and then <laughs> you know it's not that important you can leave it you know you can start again you can leave it and then I did exactly the same thing when I was in hospital and I was like yeah, yeah. okay so here's how you run in a hospital you know kind of thing. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I think for me, like the next day was hard knowing like, oh, like Mm. it's not there anymore. Like Mm. I've got to start a game, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. What's the street running for you? What does it mean for you? So you said it was about showing some support for your mum. I think like Ryan also mentioned sports, like getting into sport and sort of being able to bring the good news home or do these kind of nice things. I think for me, it was just keeping myself accountable mm. um, and really committing to something. Yeah. yeah. Um, How about you, Lockie? What made you start to streak? I did it for like all the wrong reasons. So like, because I didn't really feel any connection to the like outline cancer thing. I, I never really understood it. I more or less just started it because like, I just wanted to be in better shape and mm. it's just it's nice to have something to do because I was just bored one day. I was like, okay, <laughs> computer. Yeah, that's the right reason though. It's not a wrong reason. It's a right reason. <laughs> then I kind of just assumed that, oh, if I get in better shape, my have more chances with girls, you know. 
Eyes always fucking how it is. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, so but you've gone now for nearly three years, well, over three years. If you're over a thousand days, well, I'll find out from your mum exactly how many days you are. But I'm um, because mm-hmm. I know she keeps a tracker on your on the tracker. But you've kept it going now for over three years. I'm g- guessing you're in really good shape now. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's actually done really well. I hear from Caroline all the time, like that you're, yeah, you're becoming super fast and really really good <laughs> do you enjoy it what days are hard for the streak i don't know i don't really have any hard days oh god i wish i was you <laughs> <laughs> like i never really feel like any challenge to get to this day it's just because like i i do it every day but like i don't know what day i'm on or anything so like that just it's easier for me it's just something right. i've got to do but so of the four seasons through the year, of the four seasons, what's the hardest season to run in? doesn't really matter to me. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Winter. Regardless <laughs> you of winter. It's winter. Winter. I struggle because I work the traditional nine to five. Right. And I come home from work and it's dark and it's right. cold. So some people love it, but I don't. <laughs> so you're, you run at night rather than the morning? Yeah. You're a, you're a night runner, not a morning runner, morning, not a morning. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> Lucky, when do you run? Do you run more mornings, evenings, or just when you can fit it in? Uh, I normally go, like, late when it's, like, already, like, black. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're a night runner as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you, Connor? Are you a morning runner or an evening runner? Um, I mean, I prefer getting it done in the morning, but I've kind of gotten to the point where it, it's less about the timing and more about getting it done. So every day, because I work three jobs and up until recently I was studying as well, it became simply about every day to the next, when can I get it done? When is it strategically optimal? And just finding a way that makes it work. So, Brian, when are you uh, starting? Are you starting next week? <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I've got more more chance of getting on a, getting on a bike every day and once my foot is better because i've got a foot injury oh, no. at the moment but yeah once once that's better i'm looking at getting on my bo- bike and looking to see what i can do for for meningitis to see if i can make mm. any contribution there with, with riding so still nice. a bit more research to do but yeah. but yeah might might get back on a bike nice that's nice so all of you are like winter Connor, is winter hard for you? I don't know if I'm a bit of a sadist or anything, but I've kind of found ways to enjoy all of them. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, like- I got into the point of enjoying the kind of the thrill of overcoming my own resistance, Yeah, uh, if that makes sense. So any way to make it more difficult or it just becomes that thing that you've overcome. Yeah. So winter I love, you know, because... Well, my thinking is this, right? The faster you run, the warmer you get. So the colder it is, the <laughs> faster you can go. Possibly flawed logic, but it's mine. Um, the, the non-runner of the table agrees with that logic too. <laughs> the faster you go, the warmer you get. Yeah? Oh. yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, though, the one the one condition that I dislike more than anything is wind. Like I have nightmares about windy days where it's just like you're putting in so much effort and you just you're feeling so slow even though you're not. <laughs> yeah, the um, thing about wind though is like 
if you turn around, the tailwind becomes the head, you know, the, the headwind becomes the tailwind and then you're just flying. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's true. But the thing is I'm too <laughs> stubborn to change my course. I'm like, I, if I set out for a specific route, um, you know, then I'm definitely going to do it. But then again, I also love some of my favorite runs have just been um, just in random places. I'll allow myself to get lost. So I absolutely love losing direction and just going and, you know, just seeing where my feet take me sort of thing. I don't know if you're in the city, maybe lucky you, I don't know if this will work in um, Indonesian or not, but there's a style of running that they use in New York, which is called the green man run. And so you just basically decide how long you're going to run, but you run and then you always go in the direction of the green light. So like, if you come to a crossing, if the green light, the crossing green light is to the right, then you need to go off to the right and you just keep going on the green light. And it just takes you to places which you've never been before. Because usually if you get to a route and you stop at the cross lights and you're waiting for the light to change so you can go wherever you want to go. So the green light run is that kind of get lost approach. It works really well in New York because New York is like a grid. Um, but I don't know if it'll work in Dunedin or something like that. Also, I don't think it'll work in Hamilton very well or Tamahere where you guys are because you don't have a lot of traffic yeah. lights. You'd just be like going on forever <laughs> looking for a light. <laughs> so my fa- my least favourite season is summer so like winter winter i can get through because there's just like good gear nowadays you can get like good winter gear and stuff like that but summer especially in tokyo it just gets so hot and it's like it's i can't take off any more clothes this is it it's like yeah it's just too hot (laughs) so i would like to sort of start to think about ending like the conversation Thank you so much, guys, for talking about this. I know it's not easy and it's not easy to remember. And like Lucky sort of said, it's like kind of hard to remember. Or it's hard. I don't know how to answer because that's it's hard. And so it's really special that you guys have spent some time to think about that. Is there any last comment that you would like to say about families that go through cancer? For example, you know, last week I was talking to somebody who's just found out that they have cancer. And that person was asking me a little bit about how to talk to their kids. So that's where this is really timely. Yeah, I was going to say, Tyler looks like she's got an answer ready. So Tyler. Well, we all know that cancer sucks. Mm. And cancer is not something that you should be going through alone. So your family and your friends are there to support you if you let them. Mm. I I like that. Cancer is not something you need to go through alone. Um, and so for those support whether it's family whether it's friends whether it's counseling yeah so maybe it's it's that so um connor or lucky do you have one final thing about what you'd like to say about cancer well i think personally overcoming hurdles kind of strengthens you as an individual as well as as a group so you know while i I never would have wished uh, my mother got cancer it's something that happened and as a family we had to find a way to overcome it and that's an ongoing process there's no um cutoff day where all of a sudden it's easy again but you know overcoming that together has brought us even closer than ever like it really does strengthen uh the bonds it strengthens the relationship and it it brings you closer together and more able to support each other and other hurdles as well um because cancer is just one of thousands and thousands of different things that you know are difficult to go through albeit one of the more significant ones but I'm just very proud of kind of the transformation that 
the family has gone through and will continue to go through in supporting each other through these sorts of things. Yeah. So I think that that's like, no, that it, it does suck and that there is hard things, but I don't know, it's called the silver lining, but there is this piece where it does transform the relationships. And I think as you just said, it's not just cancer. I think Ryan mentioned meningitis and different illnesses and sicknesses and hurdles that people go through. So Lockie, do you have anything like, you know, just final thing about, you know, this is what it's, what I'd say about cancer and going through it as a family. Um, it feels like everything that really fits into this has already been said. So I'm really sure what to add. Okay, cool. Ryan, you got anything extra that you would like to add? I feel like for, for me, because I've, being the older, older, older child in this situation, I have had the benefit of not only having been through Tihoi and being able to learn how to live independently, but having gone through, obviously, the challenges of growing up with the aftermath of menin- meningitis and sort of doing late, late Taupo, which is 160 kilometres on a bike, so being able to grow that mind mindset of it is what it is, I can prove whatever wrong and just truck along with it. And I guess that's where where I get my mindset from. That said, obviously, as a, as an older older brother, definitely feel like there's a missed opportunity to tap to others on the shoulder and say, "Hey, are you okay? How can I help?" So that that's a really really big learning learning for me so i guess as a as an from one older brother to any other out there definitely look after yourself and put yourself in the position to be okay with not not okay that's happening but okay enough that you can tap tap your siblings on the shoulder and sort of ask them what they need how they can help how you can help and get through as a team you know Actually, just listening to you now, Ryan, I always think, you know, like when you go on the aeroplane and they talk about the safety things and they basically say, before you take care of the children, make sure you put the mask, the air mask on yourself and then get ready to help. And I think that that just you saying, you do the thing that you need to do to take care of yourself, whether it's counseling, whether it's, you know, doing some sport, doing whatever it is, get yourself in a position and then know that probably as an older sibling, there are things you can do to help the younger siblings. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. 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 And I think that's really important to I think that first step of making sure you're okay, like getting strong enough to be able to support um everybody else as well. Yeah. So yeah, really powerful. Thank you so much. Got lots to think about because. Actually, some of the things that you're saying are very similar to what uh, was being said also too by Zach and Jordan, my kids, and really positive to hear counselling come through as a part of the toolbox, I guess. Often I think many of us think of having to ask for help and going to counselling and stuff like that as being a last straw um, when things are really bad and now I finally need somebody to talk to versus maybe a first checkbox to, you know, like Tyler said, you know, maybe I I should have gone to counselling or I would have benefited from counselling. And so maybe that's a big learning for others is set that framework up, set that toolbox up to have counselling for kids as part of that. 
checkbox of things that we're, we're doing. Yeah. Cool. Hey, thank you so much. And hopefully we're going to, might see, so little thing. And for those of you who've been following on the podcast, you'll know that Julia, um, who was from Jordan going through cancer, had said she was going to run her first ever marathon in Athens. Athens has been like this huge um, bucket list for me because it's the, uh, the original marathon from Marathon City all the way to Athens. And uh, then Daphne, who was um, in the podcast as well, said she was going to join. And now Connor's going to join too. Woo-hoo. So now we've got ourselves a little team going on running Athens Marathon by the looks of things. Yeah, Connor? Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to say this on the day while I'm running it, but I'll certainly say it now and I'll say it after it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Marathons are like that. They seem like a good idea at the beginning, an absolute crap idea while you're doing it. And then when you're finished, it was like, that was a really good idea. <laughs> but it's funny. I was talking to a fellow runner this morning and, you know, they've coached uh, Olympic runners and, you know, they've, they've coached quite a lot of people over their career. But one of the things that they said, which I found most intriguing, is that one of the characteristics of some of the best long distance runners on the planet mm-hmm is a short memory. So <laughs> they tend to forget how miserable some of the more uh, difficult marathons are. So they're more willing to jump into the next one. <laughs> exactly. Very cool. So once again, just absolutely amazed with the bravery uh, and thankful for the kids sharing their story. This is the first time that Caroline's kids have actually sat down, all four of them, to talk about cancer in this kind of depth. And Caroline shared with me that after the conversation, uh, there was more communication and more conversations that happened. This one was also eye-opening to see that kids are actually noticing and seeing the changes that are happening. And even if they're not being told what's going on, they're wondering what's going on and they do have worries, that they try to barrel on through by themselves and are not connecting with each other as much. And again, trying to be this not a burden and the good news story. So again, I was listening and I was finding a lot of learnings as to how to cope with kids going through things uh, in times of trauma. Also really excited to hear that Connor may be joining us uh, in Athens to run the Athens Marathon. So super excited for that as well. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Caroline's kids for being this brave to share. I know that after Zach and Jordan's episodes, we had a lot of direct messages saying thank you and that cancer patients were realizing to have a bit more conversations with their kids in a different way. And so that's kind of the purpose, sharing stories so that the stories can be helpful to others. So thanks again for listening and see you in the next episode. listening to today's Outrun Cancer Story. I know telling stories really helps. So now I'd like to ask you to come share your takeaways. Follow us on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Outrun Cancer for some stories, some inspiration, and maybe you might be inspired to put your running shoes on. See you in the next episode.